welcome to the Gigos Podcast, a podcast showcasing the works and talents of those who lost their gigs due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast will feature a range of creatives from the tri-state area who are young visionaries and who contribute to the craft despite the recent events that have happened. Join us today as our host, Remy Leibovic, speaks with Rory DeLasno, the singer-songwriter from Teaneck, New Jersey. Rory is a singer-songwriter who's played at various New Jersey venues, such as Debonair, and has been on tour in North America. As a performer, Rory can be heard with his band, Black Rose Revival, or as a solo artist. You can check his music out and keep up to date with his projects in the bio of this episode. Enjoy. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Gigless, a podcast about everybody who lost their gigs due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Today we are joined by Rory, and I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because I don't want to be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> DeLasno. DeLasno? Okay. Sometimes there's an accent like DeLasno, so I was like... Yeah. Not to yeah. my knowledge in this case, but I've heard it <laughs> many different ways by many different people. Well, that's good. Well, I always want to pronounce someone's name correctly. So Rory is a local musician in the North Jersey area, and he plays a lot of alternative rock and a lot of alternative music, and you can catch him usually at local places, right? Yeah, for the most part. Mm-hmm. So tell us about yourself. When did you start getting into music? Sure. So I've been playing since I was a little kid, probably in about kindergarten or first grade. Um, My dad, who played a little bit of guitar, showed me how to play. And um, I picked the guitar up the wrong way, upside down and backwards. And I've been playing that way ever since. Um, And I started writing songs from grade school and just been writing throughout my life. But for the most part, I didn't gig out um consistently until about 2018 and since then i've been kind of trying to make up for lost time playing out as much as i can so what are your primary instruments Uh, i play a little bit of piano but predominantly guitar both acoustic and electric and i sing yeah oh so we were talking a little bit before we started recording can you tell our audience who you're inspired by yeah, so I'd say two of my primary influences are Taking Back Sunday and uh, Jimmy Eat World. I also try to emulate, you know, a, a wide variety of things, the Beatles, um, Queen, but uh, a lot of that, you know, emo, so to speak, is where I draw inspiration from. What does your typical gig look like for people who've never seen you live? Yeah, so uh, I'm trying to play more with my my band that I've been putting together called Black Rose Revival. But prior to um, prior to that, like generally speaking, it's me on acoustic guitar solo. Um, I've played a couple full band shows on electric, but predominantly solo acoustic. And, um, you know, usually your typical 30 to 45 minute set, um, you know, standard. Yeah. And you were talking about recently you did a little mini tour. Yeah, yeah. I've done a couple little mini tours. Um, I played in Baltimore, Philly, and D.C. And then um, I had been planning to go to Buffalo and Rochester, but the Rochester one got snowed out. 
but I, I did play in Buffalo as well. Do you drive yourself or do you have a van or like, what's the deal with that? It depends. So the Buffalo and Rochester one, I did it with my friend. I was also a musician, Jackie June. And we also played in Baltimore, Philly and DC together, but I did a Baltimore, Philly, DC run um, in my car just by myself as well. That's one of the perks of being solo acoustic. You know, you don't get all the same dynamics and all the same energy, but it is a little bit more portable. Yeah, because I don't know the typical viewpoint of someone, well, from someone that never has seen like a touring band or knows anyone that tours, like everyone has this idea of everyone going into this like Scooby-Doo like van <laughs> and getting <laughs> yeah. and getting and hitting the road. And <laughs> That's the dream. So, yeah, yeah I, I'd like to I'd like to do that kind of thing down the line as well with my band. But as it stands or as it's been so far, it's just been me and my Honda Civic with my uh my acoustic guitar in the trunk, just kind of making a run for it. Absolutely. And so do you play typically smaller venues or larger venues? It really depends. Uh, one of the places I've played at a bunch is called Debonair Music Hall over here in Teaneck. Um, I think they're like 300 capacity. They'd Revolution Music Hall in Long Island. It's a little bit larger. Some touring bands go through there. But, um, you know, there's also been obviously smaller venues as well uh, sometimes like uh the smaller venues end up being really cool like rockwood music hall in the city or pianos uh, i think they both probably fit under 100 people but a packed small room is sometimes better than a you know a, a little bit uh smaller crowd in a big room yeah can you go into that because we were talking a little bit before at the show and i think our listeners would like to hear that perspective yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely say some of my favorite gigs have been ones in small rooms. Um, I think we were talking about a house show in Philadelphia that I played. It was just awesome, really engaged crowd and um, supportive. And uh, especially with the acoustic music um, that I do, it's very like emotional. And um, at least I, I hope it is, you know, and uh, it, it means a lot to me to be able to connect with people about that. And those kinds of settings tend to lend themselves to connection and uh, relatability and whatnot. Yeah, it's definitely a different, as someone who attends a lot of local shows and smaller shows, but I also attend like big mainstream names. It's definitely yeah. a different energy. I feel, for example, when I see shows at like, big venues so this is a jersey complex like home dell or bb and t i feel that there's a lot of people especially on the lawn that are detached from the main show whereas yeah. if you see like a basement gig or like even a gig at a bar it's just a little bit more intimate because you the people that are there that want to be there are like there they're not just there to like you know get drunk and hang out with friends maybe they are but like you know they're interested more in the music <laughs> yeah absolutely I'd say like the nice sweet spot is I've had a couple of gigs where I opened for larger headliners like I opened for Drake Bell from Drake and Josh and I opened for Lee DeWise who won American Idol and both of those shows had like a larger built-in crowd because of the draw that they brought and you know I mean they they convinced some of my friends who were on the fence to come out as well. So I, I think we had like, I know I had like 50 to 70 in both of those. And there were people who were obviously there just to see them as well who were in the room. So when you can have a big room like that and a big crowd that's interested, that's like the real sweet spot. 
Yeah. So can you tell me about the buildup so far to where we are presently? Because it's presently March 26th when Rory and I are recording this. Um, what, what was the buildup before you found out that you lost your gigs due to this whole COVID-19? Well, it had actually been a lot of, uh, a lot of buildup. So as I mentioned before, I started in my first like big show, so to speak, was October 10th, 2018. I played down the street in Teaneck at Debonair. And I've been trying to, in the beginning, make it that I had like one big gig a month. That was like my goal. And then things really started taking off. And I was just playing a lot of smaller gigs and then the occasional big gig. But this year, as I started to go into 2020, I started to book some really big things that kind of fell into my lap. I got booked for the AC Beer and Music Fest is one of, I think, four acoustic acts on the same night as the same session as Newfound Glory in the early November. So that was like definitely going to be like the biggest gig of my life. You know, it was really just I think it's just the five of us, you know, so it's like a festival, but it's not like bamboozle where you could be playing like 10 hours earlier in a completely different part of the Meadowlands or something. So that one's been rescheduled as of now. Uh, It was going to be in uh, April. I want to say it's all my brain has gone to sleep with all the everything getting thrown up in the air and it's been moved to the end of the summer. So that was like a little bit of a bummer, but at least it hadn't been entirely canceled. And then I had been working toward this show at Mercury Lounge, which I haven't announced yet, but that's potentially up in the air. And that's like a really, really big venue. So um, I guess you could say that things were starting to my ducks were finally in a row and then things got thrown up in the air. Yeah, but I'm sure that when everything gets sorted, that they'll come back because clearly these people that are event organizers, like they clearly see that you're talented and that they want you. So I don't think that they're just going to let you go like that. Yeah, hopefully um, not. <laughs> yeah. There's so many things that need to fall into place to get certain events to work out right. Like I think the AC Beer Fest will be all right, but certain certain venues you have to kind of like or it's easier if you put together an entire bill of musicians uh, of acts and then propose it to the venue. So there are a lot of different cards that had to, to fall into place quite right, just right. So, but there's reasons to be hopeful for sure. (laughs) Yes. So recently you were on that little mini tour Mm -hmm. and what, and you told me that I don't know what the date range was, but you were in Atlanta and you were talking about that. I was, I was down in Atlanta with my friend, Jackie June. Um, and that was just in early March. And we just got back right before this started to get um, intense. People were definitely aware of it and they were trying not to shake hands and stuff, but it was nowhere near as, um, you know, dire as it is now. Cause I mean, if it was just a week later we probably would have had to have scrapped the whole thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And was that your last show on that tour? That was actually just a one-off. Uh, Jackie asked me to play with her on guitar. So it was it was actually Jackie's show, but I was accompanying her. Um, so, yeah, you know, that, and... that would have been tough to do with, with this ramping up. 
Absolutely. And taking a more introspective look, like, do you mind if I ask, how have you coped with this whole thing? Well, I mean, it's been really disappointing, especially for someone in my shoes, you know, not not trying to feel sorry for myself or whatever, but, you know, realistically, there are always those moments that are like, geez, I was just starting to get a little bit of momentum after taking off for so long and, you know, trying to focus on things other than music. Um, I don't know, you know, I'm worried. I'm more worried about public health and, you know, are we going to be okay? But a secondary concern is like, is this going to throw off momentum? But to cope with it, I've been just trying to focus on all the people who have been doing a lot of live stream shows, who have been just really supportive. I've done a few myself. I've started to do some regular shows every Monday, and I'm going to start to do them on Wednesday as well with some of my uh, my musician friends. But that's been a source of um, reassurance and, and excitement because, you know, you go on Instagram and you just see people making music all day and it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. I think that, so just so you know, we will be posting where people can find you in our show notes. So don't think that this is a one-off thing. So (laughs) we're going to post, we're going to, I'm going to stalk you down and post you up. (laughs) So don't worry about that. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, that will definitely be a thing that more people can go and find your live shows. Are you going to be playing with other people or are you just going to be doing a mix of you and a friend? Because Instagram live and zoom and all these other things, there's so many possibilities that we can deal with right now. Yeah. So the plan right now is every Monday I'll be doing just like an hour by myself, but every Wednesday I'd like to pull in a couple of my musician friends to join on the Instagram live um, stream. So I don't know if it'll be like a collaborative thing. Cause I think there's always like a little bit of lag that can make it difficult, but I'm really excited about the possibility of, uh, uh, of, you know, going back and forth, you know, maybe I play a song, they play a song, um, and, you know, just kind of supporting each other because there are a lot of great musicians that are geographically far away from here who I have relationships with that I'd love to play with. And now we can do it without traveling across the country. Right, right. Yeah. And have you have you put any thought into expressing yourself in different ways, like maybe going into other forms of art or music? Hmm. Yeah, not not particularly, because I'm just not really that geared toward like visual art for example I I would be like absolutely atrocious at every time I've tried to draw anything in my life it's ended poorly but uh yeah just basically doubling down on the on the music you know that's excellent are you going into other genres then with it if that if I could rephrase my Uh, question uh, interesting yeah I mean I've definitely been uh, let me put it this way I've been listening to a lot of different stuff as I've become more familiar with other artists. So Mm -hmm. I think that tends to impact my, my writing as well. And and the songs I might want to cover things like that. So, yeah, I I would say that, you know, this focus on the arts has sort of reoriented me toward different uh, kinds of genres. What is something that you've been listening to a lot lately? been listening to a lot of this band called Conversing with Oceans. They're from the Bronx. Ooh, uh, 
Yeah, they're super good. Um, and they're a little bit more like indie rock than where I usually, um, the music I typically make. So, um, you know, hearing more of them, they just released an album. Um, I think that could lead to some kind of creative, you know, different creative direction or, you know, trying things out in a different direction. Absolutely. I think that right now, a lot of people, at least the people that I've been interacting with musically, um, music wise, they are all looking for new people to listen to. And yeah. they're, they actually have time now to listen to more local, more, uh, not so much mainstream, but like more things that they just miss in the average day before yeah. this whole thing hit. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. That's that's been a real that's been one of the few benefits of this entire disaster. Yeah, have, having yeah. time and being especially exposed to different kinds of art. So you're Bergen County based, right? I am, yeah. Yes, so you're in the heat of this whole pandemic. Definitely. <laughs> you're definitely yeah. Bergen County will allow shows and gatherings to be open once this whole thing passes, like large shows or gatherings. Yeah, I'd imagine that once it passes, people are going to be twice as eager to try to get back on track. Yeah, definitely. And do you think that another thing that I asked one of my other guests is, do you think, and as you said earlier, that everyone's going on Instagram and making music, do you think that we're going to have another like SoundCloud independent artist wave? Yeah, I, I've been thinking about that myself. You know, if this kind of thing might continue, um, I think so. I mean, I think there's been enough changes to the way that people are, you know, playing gigs and the way people are interacting with music that there may be some long lasting changes once things clear up. And I kind of hope what that do you think? too. What's that? What are you, sorry, sorry. What are you hopeful for? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a little selfishly motivated here because I'm hoping that there'll be more of this collaborative, um, more of these collaborative virtual shows because now I'm, I'm, I'm going to be playing on Saturday with some really talented singer songwriters from Seattle and I actually had been planning to, boy, I'm just giving away all kinds of information I hadn't anticipated to, but uh, I, I'd been planning a show in Seattle in May, uh, which is also maybe up in the air. But, um, you know, obviously it's a lot easier to collaborate with people from Seattle when you don't have to fly to Seattle to do it. So having the opportunity to connect with people across the country virtually is pretty cool. So I, I hope that that can continue to happen. I think that it's definitely going to make artists and musicians and performers utilize the internet yeah. more. I think that, and do you think that this is also a positive in the sense that it's giving access to people who never had access to a show, a show? Yeah, I definitely think so. Because um, even though like I've been pretty fortunate with booking shows um, knock on wood thus far this show that I'm going to be starting I'm going to be starting a series on Wednesday where I'm trying to have like a little showcase um 
I'm finding that people that I've been saying I want to play with, you know, I can just hit them up and be like, Hey, do you want to play? And we can do it. And we don't have to worry about ticket sales or, you know, does the venue have the state available? So, yeah, I mean, I would imagine that that is the kind of thing that's applying to a lot of people's um, circumstances, people who maybe couldn't get a show in general, or we you know weren't quite ready can ease into it. And then people who could get shows, but just couldn't deal, couldn't, um, well, as they couldn't deal with the politics of it, but they don't have to deal with the politics of it, you know, because there's always yeah. a lot of pressure to sell tickets and whatnot. Can you go, can you go a little bit more into detail about that? Because some of our listeners, I don't think, like, I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> but sure. um, with my friends and their bands, but can you talk to our listeners, maybe people who don't go see local shows about like, what it really is to put on a local show you know yeah. oh it can be really <laughs> tricky because in defense of the venues they need to sell tickets and they need to have heads you know uh, buying drinks and eating food to, to stay in business but as an independent musician it can be really difficult to get a show if you don't have a crowd that you can guarantee is going to come I've yet to have a situation where a venue has straight up said you can't come back because you didn't draw enough people, but it's definitely a thing that occurs. And that's something I'm not trying to <laughs> ever encounter wow. because that's, it's a reality, you know? I never knew that they were like, that they were going to be like, don't come back. I just knew that you had to sell tickets to, yeah, you know, bring in a show. I didn't know it was like, oh, if you cannot sell these, you cannot come back because horror stories. Yeah, I oh mean, my goodness. situations and... where a musician does a great job and everyone walks away satisfied, including the booker or the talent buyer, and they say, "Listen, I liked you, but like, we can't have you back because you said you'd bring thirty and you brought five, You know, but at the same time, there's Ooh. a lot of people lying about what they can bring in, and that's not cool either because. If, if the event can't yeah. afford to exist, then, you know, you're screwing the whole scene, basically. Yeah, there is that balance. So what do you feel then, I guess, about open mics then? That's actually a really good question. I love them. And I found that especially open mics where you can get like a featured slot, um, those can be really beneficial. I, I, when I first started, I thought, well, open mics are what I used to do. And, and now I'm doing shows, you know, not, not to be arrogant, but I think part of me was like defensive about it. I was like, I don't want to go backwards, but it's really not like that because when you go to open mics, you meet other musicians, you get a little bit of, you know, exposure. And like I said, these featured slots sometimes exist where they'll have someone play a little longer and, you know, you don't have the pressure of selling tickets. So let me ask you about that. How did you get the confidence to start this whole thing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, I think I just was tired of of procrastinating. I was about to turn 30 and that like, I don't know what, quarter life crisis, essentially something like that was happening. And I was like, all right, I know I've always thought in my heart that I was a musician first and foremost, but I thought about all of the possible things that could go wrong and all the ways that it was silly. And somehow 
I went from someone who was literally like trembling at open mics to someone who was playing in front of like a hundred people and felt no nerves at all. I just feel excitement. Um, That's great. Just biting the bullet, I guess. Yeah. I think that a lot of people, especially like our listeners and people that may not have ever been on stage before, that it can be really intimidating, but once you kind of get up there and you get out there, like the shame is gone, you Absolutely. know? Yeah. It's like going into the pool. <laughs> if you put your toe in and think about it too much, you'll psych yourself out. But if you jump in, it's, it's usually all right, I think. Yeah. And I think that going back to the conversation about access, I think that this is going to be excellent because you have people like, um, the singer from Green Day, he's going out and having concerts in his living room. And this is another band out there, but Dropkick Murphys is very popular. And they did for their entire existence, they played shows on St. Patrick's Day because there's a bunch of Irish guys from Boston. Right. But because this happened on like before, the weekend before St. Patrick's Day and they shut everything down, they played actually a live concert that anybody could go see I saw and they that. streamed yeah. it on yeah they streamed it on facebook so you had all these people that like never saw i've never seen a live you know dropkick murphy's concert but i was able to see a live dropkick murphy's concert right exactly i mean and i think there's two things that are dope about that one uh it shows people who are starting out just how real these people are like I saw Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie do a live stream from his home studio or whatever on Facebook and I was like wow that's that dude that was on stage in front of like millions of people and he's just like me you know I mean maybe a little bit more successful <laughs> just a little bit but yeah <laughs> but you know it makes it sort of makes you realize that these people who are killing it put on their pants you know one leg at a time and then also, if people are doing this live streaming thing as a step in that direction, one of the most critical things for me gaining confidence was making friends and networking. And once I did that, I felt like there was a sense of community. So I'm hopeful that people who are just starting out can get that sense of community so they feel emboldened once there's an opportunity to play in front of a live crowd. Absolutely. I think that one, I just want to say that I love Death Cab for Cutie. Yeah. Because <laughs> when we were going off and it's like, name all the bands you like. I was like, oh, God, the book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, same. Like, oh, there's so many. I don't know. <laughs> I know. So I, you know, I really like Death Cab for Cutie's collaboration with Chance the Rapper. Yeah, I heard that. That was wild. Yeah, they have a, they have a really good, on Chance's latest album, they have a really good song i can't remember it let me look it up but Such an odd yeah no I, but it works you know and that's what i really love about musicians that are able to bend and flow into different you know spaces and the fact that like what you're doing right now where it's like i don't you know we don't usually collaborate but let's see what happens yeah you know absolutely i think that we're getting that more than than ever especially with this whole thing yeah it's enhanced the sense of community and i think going back to your question about what was the difference maker in terms of going from playing like sporadically to playing consistent shows i think the sense of community was actually 
the biggest turning point for me, having that support. So hopefully this can bring that about for other people. Absolutely. The whole point of this is to showcase people who lost their gigs and to bring the sense of community together because I believe that, especially just for those listeners who have never met me, I have a lot of friends who are in local bands. I have a lot of friends who are professional performers, professional artists, professional musicians in the sense that this that gigs were their main sources of income. Basically the arts got postponed. Everybody in my circle really felt it. And it was just that kind of moment where we kind of all looked at each other, not physically because we weren't in the same room, but we all kind of just had that sense we're all in this together and we need to see what we can do. And my background is I went and I have a degree in graphic design and digital studies. So all the graphics that you see are done by me. And this whole idea, like I called up Dane and I was like, hey man, let's make a podcast. <laughs> cool, cool, love it. And the song is called Do You Remember by Chance the Rapper and Death yeah. Cab for Cutie off the album, The Big Day. Right, right, right. I was so happy when I heard that album and I heard them and I was like, they did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So where do you, because we're getting near our marker, where do you see yourself in the near future? Like any new projects, expanding on some projects, different yeah. ways of exploring? So I have uh, three singles that I'm working on simultaneously. It just happened to work out that way based on the opportunities that came up. But three solo singles um, I'm really hyped about. But the number one thing that I'm excited about is my band Black Rose Revival further developing because I've been working with the drummer, uh, my buddy Sergio and this bassist, Greg. Uh, we had a little bit of like a lineup change before we had a chance to play out. But the songs are, you know, dynamite. I'm biased, but I'm more excited about that than I've been about anything. Well, at least your band has a drummer because I feel like every yes. New Jersey drummer I meet is in like seven bands. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. And my drummer is only in one. So we're lucky. That's that great. He's killer. He's that's awesome. so exclusive. Yes. And that's, and that's excellent that you have, you know, hope for that. And so we can be expecting something from you. When do you think these singles are going to be done? Uh, the single should be done within the next couple months. I mean, I'll be releasing them regardless of what's going on with live gigs. I had been hoping to sync up one of them with this giant birthday show I was doing, but my birthday's in June, so we'll see if it lines up all right. So are you a Cancer? I'm a Gemini, which means I'm absolutely <gasps> insane. <laughs> <laughs> great yeah. i don't have anything against gem honestly i really don't have anything against gemini's a lot of people a lot of people think that gemini's are like really bad yeah. but i'm Same. just I so do. that <laughs> or you, <can> say. <laughs> you think they're bad i do i think i'm nuts <laughs> not as bad as scorpios i'm not sure what you are but oh i'm a virgo okay <laughs> I, I don't have anything, anything bad to say about them so I'm a Virgo and my producer Dane is a Libra. Okay. Do those yeah. not go together or? They, they go to like, you know, they're, so my typical friend group consists of like, at least my, you know, my girls and I, like uh -huh. it's all Capricorn women, other Virgo women, 
a random Aquarius. And yet for the most part, it's just like, and then some like Leos and some randos, but for the most part, it's always like Capricorn and Virgo. Good. Stay away from those Scorpios. <laughs> just kidding. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people actually think that, I know this is getting into astrology, but a lot of people think that Scorpios and Cancers, they get them mixed up. Like they're like, oh my God, you're such a Scorpio. And they're like, I'm a Cancer because they're both very heavy emotional signs. I see. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. This is an astrology podcast, right? <laughs> I got, I got <laughs> pumped into coming onto an astrology podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm excited. And I just want to announce too that, you know, Dane and I, my co again, my co-producer, we're going to be, after this whole pandemic is over, we're actually going to be following up with people like in a year to see where everybody's at. So oh, like, oh. don't think that we're like releasing you back into Oof. the wild or step back into the, the air, should I say? <laughs> yes. Get an air sign. Huh? I'm with you. <laughs> I could do a whole, I could definitely talk astrology, but like when people are like, get into their whole birth chart and your moon sign, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, you, you got me right. I am a Scorpio moon. So. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> there you go. But yeah. So thank you so much, Rory, for coming on our show. Thank you for it having me. It was great to have you. And we'll definitely post every single place where you can find Rory. Rory, if you want to, give it off again where people can find you sure yeah uh number one place is on instagram which is just instagram.com slash rory delasno i'm on facebook at facebook.com slash rory delasno music and then um spotify if you just look up my name rory delasno you'll find me thank you for listening to the gigless podcast hosted by remy Leibovic and produced by dane wagner the song used for our intro and outro is Beach Walk by Unicorn Heads. If you enjoyed this podcast, head over to our social media pages on Instagram at Gigless Podcast and at our website, gigglesspodcastblog.wordpress.com. There, you can find out more about the artist, contact the host and producer, and find out more about our schedule. Thank you.